This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Today's episode is recorded from a no room in an undisclosed location. Leo. Yeah. They'll never find us, buddy. They won't. We're hidden. Welcome to Gamjabar, your guide to the iconic world of Dune. We'll be exploring the themes, philosophies, and characters found in the sandy depths of this vast universe, from Frank Herbert's groundbreaking novels to the adaptations on film and TV. My name's Leo. And my name's Abu. And today on the show, we are exploring technology. And I know you might be thinking, didn't you do an episode about technology before? <laughs> well, to be fair, yes, we did. But yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> today, it's a little different because we are focusing on, in the Dune universe, the sort of like two primary sources of technology. Mm-hmm. And I'm so excited because they're so different. And, <laughs> and one of them is real gross. And after today's episode, you'll understand why we will never not dunk on the <laughs> Tleilaxu. Yeah. It's so gross. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm stoked. One thing we got to mention right here at the top, though, Leo. Yep. Not our idea. Not our idea. We are unoriginal. <laughs> <laughs> this was actually an idea that was emailed to us from a listener. Thievery. So we got we got to shout out Matthew Safford. Yeah. Thank you for reaching out to us. Thank you for this great idea today to compare Ixian and Tleilaxu technology and compare and contrast those cultures and those approaches and that tech. What a wonderful idea. I'm so glad you reached out, Matthew. So good. Yeah. Setting the example for all the rest of our <laughs> listeners. Everyone else, also do it. Go. <laughs> Send us an email. <laughs> we're out of ideas. Please. Please. No, we're not. <laughs> we really aren't. But also, <laughs> please do. Yeah. Gomjabarpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. And another note right at the top of the episode, we are going to keep this conversation spoiler free. Mm-hmm. So... For those of you who've maybe sat out of previous episodes because you didn't want any of those uh, spoilers to affect your first read-through of the book or your first time watching the movie, rejoice! We are keeping today's episode 100% squeaky clean such that you can read Dune for the first time or see Dune for the first time and have, I would argue, an even better time Mm -hmm. just enjoying the fun textures of this crazy universe. Absolutely. That having been said, if you are a big Dune fan, I think you're still going to get a lot out of today's (laughs) discussion because we're getting into some really, really interesting topics when it comes to the Ixians and the Tleilaxu and the larger Dune lore and universe. As always, there are things that I didn't know. Yeah. And uh, now I can say, honestly, there are some things I wish I didn't know (laughs) that I do now know. And it's terrible yeah we'll get into it the the tleilaxu are so terrible so bad (laughs) one last thing i want to say before we get into the meat of today's episode is kind of why it's important to understand this right you mentioned earlier that 
there are two sort of core philosophies to technology in the Dune universe. There's this biological approach. Right. The Benny Tleilax use this approach to their technology. We're going to get into their history and the types of things that they're creating through biological and genetic enhancements. On the flip side, you have sort of this classic sci-fi technical approach to technology, and that's the Ixians. These are the folks that are making the shiny new gadgets, the zip zap, <laughs> swap, whap, whatever, you know, like yeah. these are the fancy new technologies, the fastest new computers, and the most enhanced Keurigs in the universe. <laughs> well, not quite computers, right? Not quite computers. Not quite computers. Exactly, exactly. Because that's not okay anymore. That's not allowed. That's not allowed. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Ixians. <laughs> so th th these are two very core philosophies to the way technology is represented in the Dune universe. So it's important to understand both sides of it, both approaches from two very different cultures, and why both are important, and how this sets Dune apart from other sci-fi novels, right? Right. A lot of the technology in Dune is not central to the story, which is why we can get away with doing a spoiler-free episode today. Right, yeah. So much sci-fi, the technology is the story, right? <laughs> yeah. The Terminator yeah. series. It's about AI going rogue. Yeah. Something like Ready Player One is about a virtual reality dystopian future where technology plays this major critical role in the story. So much of sci-fi storytelling is about the technology itself. And Dune kind of isn't, but it's still very important to the universe, which is why we want to dig into right. it today. And to start talking about them, let's look at the Ixians. As you've said, they are right now, you know, 10,000 years mm -hmm. after the Butlerian Jihad and right at the first pages of Dune, they are the source of the zips, the zaps, as you said, <laughs> the waps. <laughs> Maybe the not. wet ass, maybe maybe not those. Maybe pulse not those. rifles. <laughs> the wet ass pulse rifles. Yeah, that's what that. Yeah. Put that on a t-shirt. Put that on a t-shirt right now. <laughs> Lord. Yes, the Ixians are providing all the wet ass pulse rifles to the universe, <laughs> and we want to focus on the Ixians first, and then we'll talk about the Benny Tleilax and. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we're going to pick apart sort of the positives and negatives to both approaches. The Ixians, of course, have this very technical approach to technology in the universe. They are making the fancy, shiny new gadgets. Right. And they are sort of towing this line between breaking the rules of the Great Convention, breaking the rules established after the Butlerian Jihad. Yeah. But we should talk about the Jihad first. Let me back up a bit. And give you a very, very brief history, Leo, of the Ixians. Yeah. I did some research on this. I looked into the Ixian history, and it's so, so fascinating. I'm going to try and boil it down to, like, two minutes. And this is not comprehensive by any means. Maybe we'll cover it in a future episode and go deep on it. Yeah. But I want to focus on the parts of their history that are relevant to their technology. It's really fascinating stuff. Totally. So the Ixians live on a planet called Ix. <laughs> Shocking. Makes sense. <laughs> But before the Butlerian Jihad, so 10,000 years before the first pages of Dune, as we've said, that planet was known as Comos. Yeah. And Comos was the province of a different planet called Riches or Riches. Right. And Riches was kind of the wealthier, stronger planet and didn't really care what Comos did as long as they basically paid their taxes. Comos was a very agricultural planet, so Riches relied on it for grain, livestock, all that good stuff. 
your your burgers came from Comos. <laughs> right. Comos decided around 200 BG, that's before Guild, that they no longer wanted to be ruled by Regis. And Jahan Butler, a woman named Jahan Butler, and some priestesses who stirred up this religious fervor, basically revolted against Rachis and overthrew it, and through that process basically unleashed what later became known as the Butlerian Jihad across the universe. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. <laughs> this wiping out of all thinking machines across the galaxy. And there is a correlation here, because the population on Rachis, they were really pushing the limits of technology. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important, as we look at what happens next, to emphasize that the population of Rachis and the people living there are very uh, smart and, although maybe a little bit naive technologically, with like maybe the ramifications of the technology they were making, mm -hmm. very, very capable technically. Correct. Yeah, definitely. I imagine Rachis was like the pre-Silicon Valley. If we if Ix eventually oh, became the yeah. Silicon Valley of the universe, <laughs> yeah. Rachis was the valley before the big players arrived. Right. Uh, but the technology and the know-how and the knowledge was still definitely there. Yeah. Now, after Jahan Butler and these religious priestesses overthrew Rachis, Jahan Butler banished anyone who refused to join her bloody jihad across the galaxy to Comos. Right. So a bunch of these Richesians were exiled to the planet that they at one point controlled and found themselves on Comos. Now, it turns out yeah. this actually wasn't a bad gig. <laughs> yeah. Because, again, Comos is a very agriculturally rich and fertile planet. It's a great place. So they had plenty <laughs> of food to go around. And Comos is also relatively isolated in its system. Yeah. So no one bothered them. They were just left alone with a surplus of food and a lot of free time. It could have been worse. Uh, and honestly, kind of kind of a great gig. Yeah. Oh, no. A beautiful <laughs> paradise planet. Whatever will we do? So whatever will we do actually turned into, let's continue making scientific and technological <laughs> progress. And the Ixians, as they were now known, these exiles from Rachis who are now in Comos, calling themselves the Ixians now. Comos is renamed to Ix. They're keeping up this front of, look at us, we're just plain farmers, right? On the surface of the planet. Right, right. But below the surface of the planet, they're creating these massive advanced research facilities, and they're really pushing the boundaries of technology. And this is really where the X that we know today comes to fruition. This is where the technologically advanced society of X is born. So it's really interesting to s sort of realize that X has a very very deep connection to the butlerian jihad and many thousands of years later is kind of breaking the rules it's really interesting <laughs> right and then if we fast forward from this establishment of ix eventually the ixians realize oh well we've never made contact with other people for a while but we can't be isolated forever right, right yeah. someone is bound to come across us someone is bound to realize we have all of this crazy technology that we're using <laughs> these dope futuristic keregs <laughs> right yeah and so they took a sort of a preemptive strike and they reached out to the newly established Carino Empire at the time. This is right around the time that the Carino House took power and the Imperium was established, the modern Imperium that we know today. So they reached out first and they presented this technology and the Emperor and the Great Houses realized that, oh, wow, the Ixians have some really dope tech yeah. that we kind of want and <laughs> it would be really useful to us. And so everyone sort of comes to this 
stalemate agreement of, okay, Ixians, you keep doing your thing. You're kind of breaking the rules of like not creating artificial intelligence, but we're going to turn a blind eye to that as long as you provide us with that cool tech. And that sort of sets the scene for where we are with modern Ix and the modern empire. As much as they do toe the line, I think the entire galaxy felt the sting of or, or kind of recognized the potential threat of artificial intelligence. True. My, my sense is that after the Butlerian Jihad, mm-hmm. they are no longer the naive, yeah, let's just full steam ahead wherever technology leads us. They do observe some of these limits. You're right, Leo. And I think that's a politically motivated move too, right? Right, yeah. You don't want to be openly seen as breaking the laws of the convention and creating artificial intelligence and then right. selling that to the emperor like <laughs> yeah. that's political suicide right the emperor is going to turn on you reject your technology and then probably send the sardaukar to wipe you out right, right, right so there is this towing of the line where yeah. yes they're creating advanced technology and they're maybe dabbling into computers but they are not outright just creating artificial intelligence like they used to. They right. are not outright right. creating extremely advanced thinking machines. They're towing that line and being very, very careful. And as long as they're careful and subtle about it, and the technology continues to be useful to the great houses and to the emperor, they're willing to to look the other way if it kind of bends the rules. Yeah. So, well, let's then talk about some of these examples. What What are some of these dope Keurig machines. (laughs) What are some of these gadgets that they've made? Yeah, definitely. I did some research on the Ixian technology that's present throughout the novels. And again, we're going to touch on them in a general non-spoiler way. So we're not going to talk about any plot reasons for these technologies to exist. But it is important to talk about some of the cool doodads that the Ixians are making and selling to the Empire. So to quickly go through some key examples that show up in, in the Dune universe... One Ixian technology that we see in the first novel is something called an Ixian dampener. Yeah. And as the name implies, this is a small portable device that basically creates like a sound cone so no one can listen in onto your private conversations. Yeah. It masks your lip movements so no one can read your lips from the outside. That's cool. It changes the tone of your voice so your voice can't be recognized. (laughs) It's basically like a privacy veil. Yeah. And you can understand why that would be useful to a bunch of great houses who are constantly scheming against each other. Totally. In an era of espionage and spies and assassins, super useful. You could talk so much shit about someone just like five feet from them and they'd never know. They'd never (laughs) know. I hope there's like an Ixian dampener setting that you can really crank up to like 11. Oh. That in addition to just blocking what you're saying, makes it sound like you're complimenting the person next to you, you know? Hey, that's great. You're talking shit, and on the other side of the dampener, (laughs) it's like, yo, Leo's like maybe the nicest person I've ever met. So nice, and like tall, (laughs) just like a nice tall. On the inside, you're just going to town like, ugh, I hate him almost as much as I hate play laxu right 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 <laughs> yeah so you know ixians that's a free idea for me go ahead and update there you go dampener v 2.0 <laughs> dampener 2 yeah <laughs> exactly that would be awesome another example of a useful technology by the ixians that i'm sure the politicians of the great houses love is something called a memo quarter terrible name <laughs> terrible what an awful name i mean split that name apart so bad memo recorder is basically what it is Ugh. very self-explanatory it's a tiny handheld device that you can record 
Memozon. <laughs> I hate it. I hate that name. Basically some sort of like iPad tablet with an Apple pencil and you can like record shit on it. Yeah. You got to remember these books were written in the seven, late 70s and early <laughs> 80s. So the, some of this technology may seem archaic to us, but at the time, yeah. a portable digital device that you can record memos on, kind of groundbreaking. There's actually a description of it, right? Like there's a description of what it physically looks like. There is actually in one of the novels, and this is actually an exact quote from one of the novels. This quote describes it as a small square of inky black, about 10 millimeters on one side and no more than three millimeters thick. So like a real, you know, we're talking like iPad Air, like a thin little portable device. Right. Yeah. And uh, one of the characters actually writes on this square with a glittering needle. Again, that's kind of where the Apple Pencil imagery for me comes from. And then these words are absorbed into the square. And then the quote goes on and says, the completed message would be impressed upon the nerve receptors of an acolyte messenger's eye. That part gets a little weird for me. <laughs> and the message would remain there until it was relayed to whoever the message was for. Yeah. So, again, we're talking talking like some sort of messaging recording device by the Exeans. That's small. I don't even know why I picture it the size of a tape recorder, but naturally, you know, half the name of the thing. Memo quarter. Memo quarter. <laughs> gross so dumb anyway <laughs> that's really quite small yeah i mean three millimeters thick and 10 millimeters on a side i don't know what that is in football fields but that's pretty small <laughs> very very tiny a fraction of a football field leo wow <laughs> <laughs> so another technology continuing down our list of exit technologies here yeah this next one we can literally say nothing about because it would be a massive spoiler to even imply what it's used for. <laughs> but the name of it is Ixian Royal Cart. Yeah. And I can vaguely describe it as a hovering cart yep. that's buoyed by suspensors. We've talked about suspensor technology. Check out our Holtzman episode. Check out our Tech of Dune episode. Mm -hmm. And this cart is special because it responds to thoughts. Yeah. And that's all I'll say about that. I will say, we didn't mention it before, but the uh, Cone of Silence, the Ixian Dampener, also buoyed midair by suspensors. Yes. So the Ixians, huge fans of susp of suspensing technology. <laughs> Did we make it? Yes. Does it float? Not yet. <laughs> but it will. It will. Yeah, absolutely. Right, right. Every like pitch meeting at Ixian Microsoft is like, but can it float? <laughs> you know, that's... <laughs> have we made it float yet <laughs> slap some suspensors on that baby okay i hear you i hear your ideas S solid now how high off the ground does it float well i haven't <laughs> said that it floats yet we're that's going to be a no for me we really have to make sure that <laughs> we're green lighting floating things only <laughs> right we have a brand to uphold here ixian shit floats my guy it's on the side of the building that's what it says right. ixian shit floats <laughs> <laughs> yeah good. Oh, man. i actually don't know if this next thing floats now that we're joking about this I, but you know don't think it does let's imagine it could it's a prototype <laughs> <laughs> right so this next technology i have on our list is something called an ixian pro right and this is where it gets like very sci-fi this is classic sci-fi shit in one of the later novels this probe is used and what it does is it's an interrogation device right that can read the minds of even a dead person that's big i mean that's a big deal that's what <laughs> yeah what are dead people thinking first of all <laughs> right 
I mean, I get it. I assume it just maybe reads their last thoughts or, you know, it does some like sci-fi yeah. shit like that. Secrets they held. Yeah. Like things they knew. But it's a it's it's a probe that is basically a mind reading device. Yeah. And that that's very classic sci-fi. Uh, I imagine if you were a a cop, a detective in the Dune universe, you would have access to a probe once you got the proper warrant. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe you probed the the murder victim's mind to see what the last couple of things they saw right before the murder took place or something like that. So this is very sci-fi. And the Ixlames, of course, created this technology. And it's it's used in the novels. And at least when we are at the point in the books when these are around, I want to emphasize how on the mind Ixian probes are all the time. Hmm. In Dune, people are always thinking about poison. Yep. This becomes something akin to that, where people will take a substance called, I think it's pronounced sheer, and it makes your mind immune to Ixian probing, because in an era of, you know, the great houses are all always lying to each other, so you have all of these state secrets in your head, well, when you're going to go on a trip, you're going to take your sheer pills, so that if you were to die or be, you know, assassinated, that doesn't immediately mean that everyone knows your house's secrets because they could just interrogate your dead body. Right, right. This could be this small thing, but as it turns out, exactly to your point, Abu, I imagine the average cop on Giddy Prime has one of these, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Enough so that people are constantly worried about them. Yes, definitely. And I think that speaks to this idea that the Ixians, uh, a small remote planet, end up creating technology that reverberates throughout Dune history and or throughout the Dune universe. It changes the culture. Totally, yeah. We always joke about how Holtzman single-handedly changed the Dune universe forever multiple <laughs> times. Yeah. The Ixians also did, too, with some of the technology that they created. And this is just one example of them doing that, completely changing the way that detectives approach their work and changing the way that politicians think about how they keep their secrets when there's probes around yeah you better be careful people getting probed left and right <laughs> but also no sign that they float so zero out of ten trash trash technology yeah <laughs> it sucks zero out of ten get it to float guys come on what are you doing yeah and speaking of things that the ixians created that change the universe in very impactful ways yep. the last technology i wanted to mention here Again, we're going to be touching on it in sort of a vague roundabout way because it plays a role in the story, and we don't want to spoil that for you. But they create these technologies called no rooms and no ships, and we sort of joked about this at the in the open of the episode. What a no room or a no ship is is a special room or ship that is invisible from prescient vision. Yeah. And we've talked so much about this on previous episodes, but this idea of prescient visions about seeing into the future is central to Dune. Yeah. We've seen it in the Dune trailer. Timothy Chalamet talks about how we can see the future. We've talked about in previous spoiler-free episodes how guild navigators, spacing guild navigators, pilot their ships by taking a little dosage of spice right. and getting limited prescient vision so they can see the future of the ship's travel to make sure that they're directing it along a safe route yeah what these no rooms and no ships do is block that if you're in a no room you won't show up in someone's prescient vision yeah yeah yeah. if you're in a no ship 
the ship won't show up in the prescient visions. The way I sort of thought of it was, oh, cool. This is like a VPN to hide your IP address. Totally. From snooping prescient (laughs) eyes. I mean, every single time a ship jumps from point A to point B in Dune, someone is looking into the future. Yeah. And it's not far, but it's there. Now, that could mean that your precious no-ship is directly in the flight path of some Highliner. So, you know, be careful. Park carefully, folks. (laughs) But still, this is something that becomes very valuable to people whose or for whom privacy and seclusion are important. Definitely. And again, there's a theme here, right? The Ixian dampener, privacy, right? subterfuge, espionage, the Ixian probes getting to the truth there's a lot of a lot of themes here the ixians know their market right their audience is the emperor their audience is these great houses which are always politicking against each other always scheming the no rooms the no ships this idea of privacy if you're about to plot against the emperor and the emperor has people checking the future to see if anyone's plotting against him you better make sure you're plotting in a no room so no <laughs> right. one no one sees you. <laughs> right. So again, all of these Ixian technologies, while sort of classic scientific futuristic technology, is also very much tailored to the world of Dune, to the highly political and dangerous universe of Dune and the Imperium. And the, these are just some examples of, of Ixian technology that's present throughout the novels. There are other vague offhanded comments like oh uh, this radio of ixian make right. or this uh teacup was made by manufactured by ixians but yeah. it's not really worth getting into little one one-off comments like that because it there's not much detail to get into uh, and it there's no explanation of like okay if this is a ixian keurig what does it do what, what what's special about it <laughs> There's not enough info in the encyclopedia or in the original (laughs) novels to really dig into that. But know that there are more than just these couple of things we've touched on here. Ixing technology is prevalent throughout the Dune universe. And I'm sure we'll see some of it in the upcoming film. And I'm excited for that. Yeah. If you see something on screen that looks fancy and high tech, pretty safe bet it is Ixian. So definitely you can impress your date (laughs) by mentioning, yeah, I bet that's Ixian. That's got to be Ixian. It's got to be. <laughs> it floats. It's got to be Ixian. It's got to be. They, everything floats in Ix. <laughs> everything floats. <laughs> Shit floats or whatever the slogan was. I've already forgotten. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we, we've established at this point that the Ixians have a very certain approach to technology. Right. A, everything fucking floats. It has to. <laughs> B, there's a technological futuristic approach to it. These things are shiny. These things are useful, utilitarian, and primarily they're external gadgets, right? Yeah. They're yeah. things that you attach to a wall or things that you walk into like a, a room or a ship. <laughs> These aren't things that you are uh, sort of injecting into yourself or changing about yourself. Just- Picture the sharper image catalog, and that's what X makes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So this is one approach in the Dune universe right. to technology, this classic sci-fi futuristic approach. On the flip side, <laughs> and due to a lot of the sort of trauma from the Butlerian Jihad, where people really fervently turned against advanced artificial intelligence level computing technology, we have the Benny Tleilax, who are approaching tech in the Dune universe in a very... <laughs> very different way yeah every time 
and I haven't really kept track, but pretty much every time we've mentioned the Benny Tillylax, it's always been prefaced or followed by some disparaging comment or sound. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's a reason. They... Okay, I'll go through now quickly a brief history of the Benny Tillylax. This will not be comprehensive. We'll probably also have to do like a future episode <laughs> like on the Benny Tillylax just alone. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because man... What a trip. What a trip they are. <laughs> so the most relevant parts of the Tleilaxu history. The difficult-to-reach planet, Tleilax, makes sense, the Tleilaxu, <laughs> live on Tleilax, floats alone around the star Thalium. Thalium. Thalium? Yeah. yeah. You're, nail you're nailing it. Perfect. <laughs> Every, the three ways I said it are all correct. <laughs> now, early history of the planet and it's just gross, awful inhabitants, <laughs> is undocumented. There, there's almost no history known about this planet, when exactly it was settled, who settled it, and why, why they do the things they do. <laughs> uh, all of that stuff is pretty undocumented. But this is partially on purpose. They are hyper-secretive. Now, if we were to picture the weirdest, grossest, just most obnoxious origin story for a planet population, we probably wouldn't be far off. Yeah. I kind of get the impression it's just terrible. <laughs> and by the time that planet Tleilax is sort of discovered by guild reconnaissance members, it is 23 BG. And if anybody in the universe deserved to get completely purged by the butlerian jihad mm -hmm. it was the benny tleilax it was 100 percent <laughs> that planet but they they weren't they again it was a remote planet on the very edge of the known universe and another side note here humanity discovered faster than light travel around 11,000 bg so again this is 21,000 years before the book starts Consider that they were just discovered in 23 BG. They've had about 10,000 years of just petri dish experimentation. Yeah. With no accountability to common <laughs> sense or ethics or like what is normal to do. It's it's pretty wild. Yeah. I definitely get like Bioshock vibes. Did you ever play Bioshock? Uh, love Bioshock. That That's a perfect analogy. That's exactly the vibes I get to. Andrew Ryan and Rapture, free from petty morality. Exactly. Yeah, that's Tleilax. <laughs> that's Tleilax to a T. For sure, for sure. It's like mom and dad left for dinner <laughs> 10,000 years ago, <laughs> and the rager at home is still going strong. <laughs> that's, that's really accurate. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just they're experiment they're doing everything they you know that you know what like kids will do the soda machines and they do every single soda yeah they continued down the line and they started putting foods in the cup they started putting <laughs> like irradiated material it's crazy they really the tleilaxu culture joking aside is the epitome of amoral experimentation mm -hmm. and by the time they're discovered they are already a deeply deeply religious extreme culture they are hyper xenophobic they do not trust or speak with anybody if they are talking to you you can almost guarantee that they're lying because 
they would never tell you the truth because they don't like you and they don't think you deserve it. Oh, yeah. And they're also very hierarchical, uh, very clear power structures, right? At the top of the pecking order are the Tleilaxu Masters. Not very creative in their title, but <laughs> yeah, Tleilaxu Masters. <laughs> then we have the worker warrior class, which is the Tleilaxu Face Dancers, which we actually have talked about a couple of times on the show. Yeah. And unfortunately, I'll be talking a little bit more about them today. Hell yeah, baby! <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> and honestly, the less you know about them, the better. But what are we doing here on Gamjabar if not exploring some of these subjects a little too deeply? Strap in, folks. Stra- buckle up! <laughs> uh, the other last thing to mention before we talk about their approach to technology is just that their religion and their belief system, which again is very secretive and we don't know a lot about it, is focused around spiritual elevation through physical refinement mm. and developing the biological being to reach spiritual perfection. Right. And, and that's core. That's core to so much of their technologies that we're going to get into. Yeah. They are doing biological, genetic experimentations. They're not working with circuitry, right? They're not writing computer code. They don't give a shit about that. Right, yeah. They are worried about your genetic code. They want to know how to make your metabolism better or how to create this biological weapon. Right. That's their focus. For them, like you're saying, this religion this society where there's a clear hierarchy all tends towards this extreme focus on biological improvement and finding this quote-unquote purity. Exactly, yeah. Wh- whatever that means, the Tleilaxu. Man, that is a word they would use. <laughs> the idea of purity. And I want that to ring in your ears in italics and dripping with disdain because I do not care for how they would define the word purity. It's just the worst. Yeah, definitely not. So let's talk about some of this like gross shit that they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Because it is, it, it's gross, but it's really fascinating and it's so central to the, to the Dune universe here. Twisted Mentats. We got to talk about them because they're so key. Yeah, Twisted Mentats. You know, first of all, shouts out for those of you who know to Piter DeVry University. DeVry University. <laughs> That's my favorite. Hell yeah. That's like episode two. Go Groundhogs, baby. <laughs> That's so absurd. There's a character <laughs> named Piter who is a Twisted Mintat. Anyway, it's not a spoiler. It's He's always introduced. Anyway, <laughs> so Twisted Mintats. You know that meme, Abu, of like when mom says we have X-Men at home? Yeah. And then it's like some joking image of some clearly inferior cartoon show or something? Yep. Yep. Totally. So... These are the when mom says we have mentats at home <laughs> like <laughs> meme. Basically, mentats, who we've talked about on previous episodes, but I'll say in one sentence, are effectively human computers, humans trained to perform computations the way computers do by our man, Gilby Alby, <laughs> Gilbertus <laughs> Albans. They are very good. They get things right all the time. It's really cool. You can rely on a Mentat. And also, they operate within a certain premise of ethics. Twisted Mentats are a little bit like if you have a TI-89 calculator 
And you're all right with it being wrong sometimes. Like sometimes it just gives you a wrong <laughs> answer. Mm-hmm. You're like two plus two and it's like seven. And you're like, it's oh, <laughs> close. Like maybe, <laughs> I don't know. But plus side, it can murder people so well. Yeah. Uh, I, I was going to say, sometimes it'll say two plus two equals you can get bloodstains out with lemon juice. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> really practical. Yeah. Lay down tarps. Like <laughs> you're like, what? I need you to do math. I'm going to give you the answer to that equation, but have you considered murdering your brother? (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. I have not considered that. No, thank you, calculator. Um, The Benny Tleilax created this idea for people who want mentats, but want them to perform more tasks, be it assassination or espionage, or they will create to order a twisted mentat for you and... They are more prone to emotions. They are capable of making mistakes that a normal Mintat would never make. Yeah. But they are considering a full picture of actions. Right. Yeah. I, I was going to say, like, you- you've painted this picture of them that they aren't as effective, but I would say they're effective at other things, right? Right. Mentats follow a very strict moral code when they do their calculations. Twisted mentats are basically unshackled. Right. They're not restricted by this moral code. They don't consider you know, petty things like <laughs> ethics right, right. when they do their computations for you. So if you need someone to tell you how to get blood out of clothing, <laughs> the twisted mentat will tell you, and the classic mentat will be like, wait a second. My lord. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That sounds illegal. <laughs> You're like, okay, nerd. And how on brand is this, Leo? For the fucking Benny Tleilax. Yeah. Let, let us give you this tool that is completely <laughs> unshackled by silly things like morality and ethics <laughs> and caring for other human beings. Here's a tool right. that you can just go willy-nilly with that's so on brand for the Benny Tleilax. And of course, we're talking about them like they're a calculator, but these are people. Yeah. These are like humans. <laughs> biologically engineered people that the Benny Tleilax are are creating and raising and training. And selling his products. <laughs> and they're they're tampering with these people's lives in a way that, you know, is morally questionable. And in their defense, one of the few times I'll come to the Benny Tleilax's defense, there is a demand for them. Oh yeah. I mean, this is not they're forcing this on an unwanting galaxy. Oh yeah. There are Houses that rely almost exclusively on twisted mentats right. because they prefer the mentat that will sometimes suggest murder. Right. <laughs> they prefer that kind of darker. Yeah. Look, in a dirty universe, you got to play dirty. <laughs> yeah. Says <laughs> Benny Tleilax <laughs> during their pitch for <laughs> twisted mentats. Yeah. That's the sales pitch, right? <laughs> Come on, guys. Yeah, exactly. The next thing is uh, called an axolotl tank and these are a thing uh so moving on <laughs> the next thing is okay so i'm kidding but kind of yeah basically axolotl tanks are tanks and no one knows anything about them basically but they are used to make a couple of the things that benny tleilax make uh the tleilax who make golas and face dancers and That's all we can say. So (laughs) before you get too curious, let's move on. Golas. (laughs) Golas are uh, really interesting. Definitely one of the more interesting elements of the Dune universe, I think. Uh, They are artificially created humans grown from scratch, basically, almost, 
where the only thing that isn't from scratch is the tissue, the biological tissue of someone who has died. <laughs> Which, again, you go, wow, okay, who was the first to try that? <laughs> who, was, who was going around collecting dead tissue samples right. going, I bet I can grow a human from this? The Tleilaxu. This is who. This is who we're right. talking about. Again, that mentality of not asking, should we do this? Is it right to do this? <laughs> right. But only can we do this? And will someone buy it? Yeah. Can we do it? And can we sell it to someone? And also maybe plant a spy? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how the <laughs> afternoon progresses. Now, the on-paper purpose was to, quote, give some comfort from grief. But uh, again, when we're talking about the Benny Tleilax, these are not great bedside manner medical professionals going, this is going to help you in this difficult time. No, no, no. They want profit. They want political leverage. They want you to owe them. And also, they probably want people to die. I mean, they probably just want murders to happen. And the Golas achieve all three of those things. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about some specifics. It's said they only need one cell of the original tissue, and they can grow you a whole new version of that person. These are different from a, a kind of classic idea of a clone, because specifically to be a Gola, it has to be from someone who has died. Right. Regarding that past life, the Golas, when they're, they're kind of, I don't know, born, when they're made, Golas retain gene patterns and specific skills. So, you know, great, great, great grandfather Chuck, great juggler, just the best juggler you've ever seen. So good. It's so good. I mean, everyone's always saying, wow, Chuck. <laughs> However many balls you're thinking Chuck can juggle, it's more than that. Three times. Three times that. <laughs> so many. <sighs> Chuck was great. So you might think, oh my God, this Gola is wonderful. It juggles. That's amazing. Hey, great, 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 however many, grandfather Chuck, remember that time that you went sailing in Kaitan? No, he doesn't remember anything because Golas do not remember any conscious memories of their past lives. It is noted in the encyclopedia, they kind of suck at making people feel better when you've lost a loved one because you have this <laughs> replica of the loved one, but they don't have any memories. <laughs> it's like so messed up. Oh, I feel so much better now. <laughs> it's like it's like getting a, a doll. It's really. But it, the doll has not doesn't have the personality. Yeah. Of the person you loved or the you know, like if this was actually intended to be a tool for grief or therapy, right. which I don't believe for one fucking second the Benny Tleilags <laughs> are doing, right? then the focus would be about, uh, you know, like the, the person this Gola is being created for and how to best service them. But no, like this Gola is just this like weird blank slate tool, a human, remember, like taken from a cell, biologically birthed or created in some, I'm sure, disgusting way. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, they don't have the memories of their original life. Again, the applications for this are just limitless. Yeah. The idea of we want this person, but we don't want their memories. Imagine the nefarious ways you could use that. A sword master who maybe instinctively retains his sword skills, but doesn't remember how much he hates you. Right. Oh, my cool. God. Cool. Yeah. You know, like the applications are limitless for Golas, and they're so dark when you think about it. You're so right. If they were meant for comfort they would be comforting yeah 
none of them are. Yeah. <laughs> it's creepy and weird. It, fun, although there are documented cases of golas experiencing, whether through a taste or a smell, echoes of memories from their original lives. So it is sort of theorized that maybe it's possible to reawaken those original memories. But again, this is not, this is more of like a theoretical than anything. Right. Yeah. They're not perfect recreations, right? No. I think something that you have in our notes here, and that it's really interesting to think about, is that even as advanced as the Benny Tleilikes are, when it comes to biological technology, they're literally recreating and birthing these humans from dead cells. Right. These golas are imperfect. And one thing that comes up in the books and in the encyclopedia is that for whatever reason, they're eyes wouldn't regrow right right yeah and a lot of golas at least early golas had these like sort of prosthetic eyes right these robotic eyes which leads us beautifully into the next thing Segway. <laughs> which is the tleilaxu eyes now we know that these are mechanical almost insect-like eyes that work as sort of prosthetics uh, we know that if you lost your vision somehow you could be given Tleilaxu eyes. Maybe even if you were born without sight, maybe these would give you sight. You know, this is sort of how we see it as a product that Tleilax sells. But it is almost certainly the case that they came about as a product because the Tleilaxu had to provide eyes for their golas because they were growing them and the eyes weren't working. <laughs> yeah. He's exactly like your great, 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 great grandfather Chuck. He can juggle, can't see. So <laughs> that'll be 9,000 credits or whatever. Right. So there's that element of it. And then they turned around and went, oh, maybe we can sell these to people. Right. But also, like so many Tleilaxu things, these are completely surrounded in distrust. It's actually literally said, quote, Tleilaxu eyes enslave their users. Hello. And this is from Dune Messiah, the second Dune book. And it's not meant literally, but there is a fear that these eyes could selectively edit out things or present you with a reality that isn't trustable. Right. And that's scary. <laughs> that's really a scary thing. They're, they're your window into the physical yeah. world. And if they're manufactured by these <laughs> Benny Tleilax, <laughs> who knows what they're manufacturing the eyes to show you. Totally. And to make it even more suspicious, the Tleilaxu are like, yeah, these are so much better than original eyes. They say, quote, their mechanical eyes improved upon the original. Then it's super suspicious that not a single Tleilaxu <laughs> has these eyes. None of them want it. You know, when the chef refuses to eat at their own restaurant. Yeah. I have questions. Exactly. What's going on in the kitchen, buddy? Yeah. What are you roasting back there? Sus. Tleilaxu vented. I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will say one feature that they either intentionally or unintentionally added to the eyes, which I just uh -huh. love, is that Tleilaxu eyes may be manufactured. Yeah. They may be mechanical in nature, mm -hmm. but they can still cry. Mm, they can. Well, if you know, you know. Yeah. Indeed. A single tear for our Tleilaxu eyes. Boys to men would absolutely have a song about Tleilaxu eyes still being able to cry. Behind those Tleilaxu eyes, like I've always said. <laughs> the next thing we're going to talk about are face dancers. And face dancers are one of those subjects that we 
can and maybe will do a full episode on. Oh my gosh. Because the encyclopedia entry is honestly so much longer than it needs to be. And <laughs> there's a lot of depth there, and it is really interesting. The Tleilaxu face dancers are, as I mentioned, the sort of worker warrior class of Tleilaxu society. Yeah. They are literally bred for service to the masters. So they're effectively kind of slave servants. Right. They don't really have a gender. They're neither male nor female. And though early on, it's kind of mentioned that face dancers played the part of clowns or entertainers, you know, acrobats right. who would move around a party and do impressions of people. Yeah. By the time the first Dune book starts, they are used almost exclusively for assassination and espionage, <laughs> like many things in Dune. Right. Again, yeah. extremely on brand for the Dune universe. <laughs> Completely on brand. And to accomplish their missions of assassination and espionage, they have some really extreme abilities. Uh, so let's take a look at these and kind of go through them. The first thing that they can do, which kind of gives them their name, is they can change their appearance. They do this actually, you know, we talked about in the Weapons of Dune spoiler-free episode, the Bene Gesserit Prana Bendu muscular control, where they learn how to control every little fiber and every little, you know, tendon and muscle in the body you can control. They do this with their face, their, the structure of their face. And because they are bred to do this, they're able to assume the appearance of just about anybody, uh, pretty much. Yeah. I almost imagine this like Polyjuice Potion from Harry Potter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sort of this disgusting, like, molding <laughs> of the physical features, you know, to mimic someone else's face and body. Right. And again, this is all happening biologically. Yeah. This isn't like a hologram that they're projecting in front of themselves, and it's not some gadget that they're turning on and off. They are changing their physical appearance <laughs> because of the way they've been bred by the Benny Tleilax, because of the way that their bodies have been altered to give them this ability to do this like sort of fantastical thing uh, and shapeshift and adopt any identity they want. It's kind of crazy to think about. Bones are shifting. Ugh. Cartilage is moving. <laughs> Muscle is pushing things around. It's disgusting. Yeah. They can keep in mind faces. Sure. Gross. Little grody. Okay. Understood. They can also alter their body. They can make themselves taller to an extent. They can make themselves shorter. They can become fat. They can be thin. They can be all sorts of different body types. Mm -hmm. They can also change their sex organs, uh, which I'll just leave that sentence where it is. <laughs> Let that hover in the air for a second. On the go. <laughs> and the encyclopedia entry talks about how this is done. Mm. To a degree of detail that made me nauseated. <laughs> and I was reading this on a New York subway car where already... You're already a little bit nauseous. <laughs> yeah. The bouquet of smells <laughs> was already pretty powerful. But you, you toughen up in New York. You get used to it. I have an iron stomach at this point, And this entry hit me in a way that no smell ever could. It was, it was, it was an experience. Uh, although, big takeaway, fun little takeaway. Did you know, Abu, that face dancers can't sink? Okay. Yeah. 
fun fun fact <laughs> it's just a fun little feature yeah drawn from a nightmare of a chapter oh my gosh leo this is how you test if your loved ones are faced answers oh my god <laughs> you throw them in the pool <laughs> Wow. If you suspect your wife has been replaced by a face dancer or your husband has been replaced by a face dancer. Yeah, the Salem face dancer trials. <laughs> throw that dude in the pool. You, you know, make it like a prank. Right. Hey, guys, let's play a game. <laughs> right. Don't play your hand like that. But Who yeah. can sink to the bottom if they can't? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. This is how you test for it. Good, good way to weed them out. <laughs> yeah. Look, I'm always on the alert. You know, you never know. But actually, speaking of impersonating someone's husband, yeah. what's really interesting, the encyclopedia goes on to explain that when adopting another identity, the physical appearance, even going so far as to change their vocals, changing the way they speak, the way they act, changing their personalities, face dancers can kind of get in too deep, you know, like a spy who's been undercover too long that they kind of begin to believe the thing they're undercover for. Like, yeah. If a face dancer continues to impersonate another person long enough, they run this chance of kind of tricking themselves into thinking they are that person. Yeah. <laughs> and adopting that personality forever to the extent that they're sort of <laughs> Benny Tleilak's conditioning, right? They, they're, again, going back to their place in Benny Tleilak's society. Right. They are meant to serve the masters as the this worker slash warrior class. They do what the masters tell them. Right. But if they are undercover long enough, if they are impersonating someone long enough, they can actually break that conditioning and just start to think they are this other person. It's really dark to think. And there's got to be some horrific stories of face dancers falling into that hole in, in the history of Dune. Just imagine that. And the solution is then to kill them. Of course. There isn't some fun unprogramming that the Tleilaxu masters came up with, they just kind of go, oh, well, dang. It's a liability now. He, yeah, he's a liability. Our secrets of how these people do these things... Oh, my gosh. ...are, you know, at jeopardy, so they just kill them. Yeah, the face dancers are such an interesting topic, and Leo, I think you're right. They deserve an episode. We deserve... <laughs> <laughs> to really explore all the ins and outs of that and get into some of that nauseating stuff that we're avoiding on today's episode. But there's a lot to uncover with face dancers and they're, they're such a fascinating technology. And again, I'm going to say this time and time again, they are people. The human beings, yeah. The Tleilaxu are creating human beings and breeding, which is such a disgusting word, breeding them as just workers, as obedient servants, as warriors that they can, you know, if they find themselves in some sort of military conflict, just keep churning out more and more face dancers and sending them to the front lines yeah. into the meat grinder. It's truly, truly amoral, disgusting stuff. And again, once again, so on brand for the Benny's Lalax. I will say these next two and final things on our list <laughs> for the Benny Lalax technology that we wanted to touch on. We've actually touched on previously, so yeah. uh, I suspect we'll kind of sort of breeze quickly past these. But again, if we're talking about Tleilaxu tech yeah. that's biological in nature, that's used throughout the galaxy, and that is absolutely disgusting, <laughs> we would be remiss in not mentioning these last two things. Yeah. This first one actually is not 100% confirmed, but I've seen chatter around the web about it, and there is no set source of these things. So, chair dogs. <laughs> 
<sighs> we talked about chair dogs. Hate them. Hate them. <laughs> They're the worst. Love dogs. Love chairs. Combine them. Uh, not for me. Never. <laughs> not for me. <laughs> so we talked about them in the animals episode. It is certainly possible that these are a product of Tleilax. These are bioengineered dogs shaped over time into chairs. So you can sit in a furry warm chair that like massages you and And snuggles you back. Snuggles you back and knows your preferences as a seating person. Yeah. Look, this has to be a Tleilax. Even if it's not (laughs) canon, it's my head canon that the Tleilax made this. Because of course. Yeah. They were like, look, our chairs aren't comfy enough. They didn't stop to ask, should we bioengineer dogs? <laughs> they simply asked, can we? And then they did, and it's disgusting. And they don't float, so probably not Ixian. No. <laughs> so who else? Right. So let's leave that behind and take a brief, glorious visit to the world of Sligs. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> what a job we have, Abu. What a job we have. Indeed. Sligs. Giant slug pig hybrids again we talked about these a little bit more in depth on the animals of dune episode these were made by the benny Tleilax as a product basically for export i mean the direct quote and this is pulled directly from heretics of dune again edited to avoid any spoilers these slowly creeping crosses between giant slugs and pigs might provide meat for some of the most expensive meals in their universe (laughs) But the creatures themselves embodied everything, uh, omitted some stuff, held repugnant about the Tleilaxu. Sligs had been one of the earliest Benny Tleilax barter items, a product grown in their tanks, a mission, whose multi-mouths ground incessantly on almost any garbage, passing that garbage swiftly into excrement that not only smelled of the sty, but was slimy. (laughs) What a... (laughs) picture to paint in my mind heretics of dune page 399 (laughs) (laughs) really an unexpected moment of exposition from frank yeah to be honest i was like oh i didn't have questions and look who am i to critique one of the greatest (laughs) sci-fi writers of all time but an unnecessary moment of world building and exposition didn't want to know mr herbert but now i do (laughs) (laughs) and now we all know and now we all know so these are the best tasting things in the universe again quoted the sweetest meat this side of heaven Ugh. when the mixed slig comes back to mcdonald's oh my gosh abu the line is around the corner it's gonna be <laughs> wild yeah they sell out so quickly <laughs> they're so good i mean look the sweetest meat <laughs> this side of heaven leo it's it's terrible now if you just want to have a laugh uh, you can Google image search these. I think they appeared in one of the video games. So there is like a little image of them. It is theorized that the Benny Tleilax made them gross on purpose. Like they didn't need to excrete slimy, viscous fluid. <laughs> That's not... The Benny Tleilax are, if nothing else, very competent in the way that they design and build things. Right, right. But they made them gross. <laughs> this is sort of a joke played on the universe. And again, like the Tleilaxu eyes... These chefs are not eating at the restaurant. These Tleilax are not chowing down on some delicious slig. It's possible, as it kind of turns out, that this could be a religious thing, like they just might not eat this type of meat. But it is also certainly possible that they made these for the stupid idiot rest of the universe (laughs) to, like, 
prank them massively. We're going to make it taste so good right. and just be so uh, revolting to look at. What a, what an encapsulation of the Benny Tleilax. Their culture, their vindictive <laughs> nature, and their approach to technology. Gross on the outside, but so useful. Damn it. Yeah. It's so perfect. It's such a perfect encapsulation. There are, just like with the Ixians, there are a couple of things here and there that are mentioned as being something that the Tleilaxu made and exported. Mm. Not a lot on those things. And honestly, doing some searching, I was only able to find a couple of mentions of like yeah. sex dolls and some other. Right, right. That That's just to catch all of those other little things that you might see here and there. Right. With the Ixians, you can kind of assume any fancy shiny gadget is Ixian. The Tleilaxu, their products are very clearly Tleilaxu. And the obvious thing with all this technology is is that the focus, again, is on the biological and is on genetic modification and enhancements. Definitely. And I, I think what's interesting to point out here, we've talked about the Ixians, we've talked about the Benny Tleilax. Because of this like sort of deep-seated trauma from the Butlerian Jihad, both of these cultures and both of these approaches to technology are really distrusted throughout the Imperium and throughout the galaxy. Yeah. Like, the Ixians are sort of kept at arm's length and, like, sure, give us the newest iPhone with the fancy new features <laughs> this year. Yeah. The Ixians are mistrusted when it comes to this idea of not tampering with advanced artificial intelligence. Right. On the flip side, the Benny Tleilax are also, like, everyone in the galaxy kind of shits on them, and rightfully so, I would say, right? Yeah. We've talked about how they're this vindictive horribly xenophobic culture that really doesn't get along with anyone but again they're creating this like really useful stuff that a lot of the great houses and the empire people in the empire can find a use for so you kind of just like put up with it <laughs> and it's really interesting that both of these approaches to technology are distrusted like this idea of like technology is almost rejected in the dune novels and by many characters right but right. begrudgingly accepted because obviously if you're running an interstellar empire with trillions of people you you need some sort of adva advanced technology yeah uh and by and large a lot of the technology as we talked in our tech of dune episode is based in biology because people don't want to be caught creating advanced computers and potentially risking crossing that line into artificial intelligence. So right. there's this slight lean towards the biological approach, but definitely a lot of disgust around what the Benny Tleilax are doing. Yeah, they could do it better. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> they could be less gross about it. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> and actually, on that point of doing it better, I thought it would be interesting for the two of us to kind of debate this, debate these two approaches, yeah. the biological approach of the Benny Tleilax and the technical approach right. of the Ixians. You're right. We, we want to wrap up on this question, as we love to do. You wrote this question, and I think it's a great one. Which approach to technology do you believe poses the greater threat to humanity? And I'm so excited to talk about yeah. this. So, Abu, what do you think? Which approach do you think poses the greater threat to humanity. All right. Well, I can't believe I'm about to defend this approach. Th this was a tough one. I was kind of split on it, and we'll, we'll talk about it. But yeah. I think the technological approach of the Ixians relying too much on these outside gadgets right. is more dangerous. And while that sounds like I'm defending what the Betty Tleilax are doing... <laughs> Oof, yeah. To be clear and to get it on the record, <laughs> I am not. And, and let me let me expand on that a bit. Okay. 
So why I think that, I think obviously there are some morality issues around what the Benny Tleilaks are doing. And even in, you know, the real world in modern society, humanity seems to have a lot of moral issues with tampering with, quote unquote, God's creations, right? Like humans are sort of sacred in that sense and trying to tamper with nature or humanity is kind of looked down upon. Yeah. And that's probably why our initial reaction to the Benny Tleilax approach to things is disgust, why it's so repugnant. Yeah. You know, and we see this in human history. There are so many myths and stories in human culture about the downfalls of trying to play God. You know, Frankenstein right. trying to stitch together a person creates a monster yeah. like that. That type of playing God is dangerous is so prevalent in so much of human culture. Right. On the flip side, though, <laughs> I think humanity has already done a lot of biological tampering. And I would argue much of it has been for the good. Yeah. yeah, we, yeah. We've created some genuinely fantastical things, right? Like vaccines, for one. Heard of them? <laughs> exactly. Heard of them? Like the thing that immediately comes to mind in the middle of a pandemic as we've all been stuck indoors yeah. for the past year. Yeah, yeah. Vaccines have saved so many lives throughout human history. There's research being done about gene therapies that could potentially sometime in the future wipe out things like autism or other genetic diseases. Like Alzheimer's and stuff. Alzheimer's, yeah. exactly. There's obviously medicine, modern medicine, that affects our human biology, antidepressants for people who are dealing with chronic anxiety and depression that helps them live a more normal, productive lives. There's, yeah. I mean, honestly, I have a huge thing of ibuprofen in my medicine cabinet for when I have a headache. That's affecting the biology of my body. I think those are all advances in biological technology, and those are all potentially things the Benny Tleilax could do if they weren't such shitheads, <laughs> right? This sort of benevolent approach to it. Yeah. When you sort of really sit and think about it, as we did when scripting and discussing this episode, right. I was kind of like, shit, modern medicine and modern advances in biological technology is kind of black magic yeah. with what it achieves. It's really, really impressive. And then, of course, on the flip side, we live in the age of the Internet. And I would argue that a lot of technological improvements, a lot of the fancy gadgetry that we all use day in and day out at this point, <laughs> doesn't quite live up to its promises, sure. is maybe how I would word that, right? There are some very incredible things achieved by technology. At the same time, I would argue that a lot of these advances in, in computers and robotics and things like that, instead of solving the problems that they set out to correct, can often exacerbate them. Right. And social media and the internet is such a clear example of this. Uh, the internet in the 90s was this beautiful utopia that would connect us all. And in 2021, it's like living living the hermit life in a forest <laughs> and never connecting with anyone kind of sounds like uh, a dream. Right. So I guess, I guess what I'm trying to get at is technology and the latest iPhone, the latest app, the latest service, the latest shiniest whatever is often positioned as this great equalizer, right? It'll fix the problems in society. Instead of sort of going to the root cause of a problem and trying to change it from within, it's trying to introduce a thing that's some sort of magic bullet that'll fix it. And in my opinion, it often doesn't. It often, in fact, has the opposite effect of deepening divisions and divides and just exacerbating the problems that are already there. So I would argue, I would make the case that technological advancement poses a greater threat to humanity than biological advancement, just based off of 
the history of humanity thus far and my current fears with the <laughs> things that are maybe coming out of Silicon Valley and obviously the the fears around social media and the internet age and misinformation and all of that. Uh, I think the key here is regulation, right? Right. Oversight, yeah. regulation. The Benny Chalalaks need a governing body. <laughs> they need a board yeah. of ethics. They needed it 10,000 fucking years ago. Desperately. <laughs> <laughs> Desperately. At the same time, the Ixians, their sort of board of ethics was a fucking jihad that <laughs> like yeah. exploded across the galaxy. And now they're not really don't want to tamper with AI, but are too scared to because of political and social motivations, right? So they right. kind of inadvertently had this regulation thrust upon them, yeah. which is why we maybe don't see just like morally ambiguous technologies from the Ixians as much because they're a little more scared. Yeah. Whereas the Benny Tulelaks are just like flipping the bird to everyone. <laughs> like, yeah, they don't care. They're going to create where they're going to create. They've been unregulated for the last 10,000 plus years. Why the fuck would they start now? They flip the bird and the bird has 19 wings and 47 <laughs> eyes. <laughs> right. The genetically modified bird to, to insult you as much as possible. Yeah. It, it's wild. I mean, I don't support what the Benny Tleilaks are doing, but I think with the proper oversight and regulations, there is a world where there is a benevolent, positive force known as the Benny Tleilax that is curing diseases and, and solving all of these potential issues that humanity faces through careful, meticulous, and most importantly, moral approaches to biological advancement. That is so well said. And it's kind of boring, but I agree. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Totally. Every point you made is well made and I agree. But that's that's boring. And I think this would be more fun if we took different sides. So uh, here we go. I think the <laughs> biological approach is more of a threat. And here is why. We're talking, to quote the prompt, a threat to humanity. In italics, humanity. Oh. The more you learn about the Tleilaxu and the experimentation of the Tleilaxu, the more clear it is that what humanity is at its very core is being pushed, prodded, electrocuted, limbs are being added. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rights are being removed. <laughs> like crazy. Now, is it the case that, you know, the Ixians, if unchecked, could create a rogue AI that wipes out systemically all of humankind? I, yeah. <laughs> sure. But as that last human is being hunted down as they are running from their robot overlords and they're crying and shivering in that moment their humanity will be intact undeniable and unchanged mm -hmm. a fancy saw doesn't challenge one's humanity that being said let's say following modern medicine <laughs> down this potential pipeline we may cure death at some point we may cure biological death does that change what it means to be human I don't know. Again, it's kind of a, it's a hard question. It's not really a question that can be answered. But looking at Dune, the Benny Tleilaxu approach, to your point, which I agree, part of its issue is a complete lack of oversight. <laughs> they need some sane people to just be like, no, 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 no. We're going to, no, not that. You're not going to do that. That's terrible. That being said, broadly, their approach jeopardizes what it means to be human and spirals our civilization down I think a, a rabbit hole where, you know, we're going to look back 
in 10,000 years, if we, if we went down this like biological approach path, we're going to look back in 10,000 years and we're going to realize that whatever humanity was, we are no longer and that we lost that thing, what it means to be human, some unmarked moment in the darkness and we crossed a threshold into some new twisted and terrible species. Your Honor, I rest my case. <laughs> <laughs> and the crowd goes wild. <laughs> no, I don't. The jury again. loses its shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> as, as often happens in court, the jury applauds. <laughs> no, that doesn't happen. Uh, no, I, again, I will say, I generally agree. I think the Ixians have the benefit of they learned a lesson and it's not really a fair comparison to compare the Ixians and the Tleilaxu because the Ixians have been taught a lesson that the Tleilaxu have not. And so they're acting differently. And it's easy to look at the Tleilaxu and how they act and go, oh, that's bad. But we think that because they're doing it badly because they've never been taught the lesson of you've gone too far. So I think you're right. I think rules and regulations are key in both cases. And thank goodness for vaccines. Thank goodness for the biological approach, for all of the wonders that it provides us. And also, thank goodness for technology to an extent. Right. right? It's all good. It's all good. It's just <laughs> needs to stay within a certain <laughs> ballpark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your Honor, if I may quote my esteemed colleague. <laughs> don't let him. Don't let him do it. <laughs> you're right. He said, <laughs> "I rest my case." Taken out of context. Your objection. <laughs> <laughs> objection. I rest my case. Fine people of the jury, ignore him. Leo Wiggins, twenty twenty one. You're right, Abu, and you're so fucking beautiful. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't say the first part. I thought the second part. I didn't say it. <laughs> Well, friends, there is no real ending. It's just the place where you stop the recording. But this podcast is always one step beyond logic, so help us spread the word of Muad'Dib and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to check out the other shows on the Lore Party Podcast Network on loreparty.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore party. Thank you so much for listening, and remember, he who controls the podcast controls the universe. We'll see you on the Golden Path.